Welcome to Life and Leadership with Kim Williams. Kim Williams here. I'm so happy that you joined us. I want you to grab your coffee and to get comfortable. This conversation is going to be a really fun one, Um, especially if you're a new CEO or thinking about becoming one or know someone who is. So today we're going to talk about battling the new leader blues. And I'm here with my friend and former client, LaVita Hamilton. LaVita is the CEO of Family Promise of Collin County, an organization whose mission is to help families with children experiencing homelessness achieve sustainable independence through a community-based response. LaVita graduated from Bellevue University with a bachelor's degree in behavioral science and a master's in clinical counseling. She's committed to helping those in need and possesses the ability to work with a wide wide range of individuals, including children, adolescents, families, and adults. So I first met LaVita on a site visit. Her organization had applied for my consulting and capacity building cohort, which was coupled with a grant um, and also had consulting services for my company, Kim Williams Consulting. So LaVita was a new leader at that time of a very established organization, and she was excited to potentially get some support to navigate this new role. Of course, after meeting LaVita, I mean, it was a no-brainer. We chose her to be a part of the cohort, and the rest is history. So I've been impressed with her from the moment I met her, and I'm so excited to have her on today's show, my first show with the guest. (coughs) Woo-hoo! Excuse me. So w- welcome, Levita. <laughs> All right. So Levita, let's get talking. So listen, I just read this article from Philanthropy Today entitled Large Number of Nonprofit Leaders Are Stepping Down and the Competition to Find New Ones is Fierce. That's a long title, but it pretty much summarizes what's going on out there. So I don't know about you, but I have seen a large number of CEOs step down right now. What about you? Yes. And it's all because of the stress in this time that we are in in 2022, um, starting with the pandemic and just the burnout. I mean, the burnout itself, based off of the clientele that we serve and the different capacities that we're in in nonprofit organizations, um, it's heavy. It's real heavy. And a lot of individuals, as far as CEOs and executive directors, what I have found, um, they do not utilize their self-care practices, which causes them to burn out um, faster than normal. And with this capacity that we're in and the clientele that we serve, we have to make sure that we take care of ourselves. And so people are just tired. Very much so. You know, the article cited work-life balance being the number one reason, you know, Mm -hmm. And then it's like this increase or this continuous competition for donor support and just starting over every year. So like, you know, we have these budgets. We work all year long to meet the budgets. We have events. We write grants. We do um, campaigns. And at the end of our year, whether it's the fiscal year, the calendar year, we're like, yes. (laughs) And then the next day we're like, and we start all All over Like just that mental thing is like, I don't know how you feel about it, but some days I'm just like, dude, and from scratch again, 
it's a vicious, vicious cycle. Um, I've been a nonprofit for a very long time, but like you said, this is my first time being an executive director slash CEO. And I have looked at previous executive directors and I thought I'm so cool in programs. Like <laughs> I want to stay here in programs. And now here I am um, in an executive role. And it's like, I, I, I'm doing this. And at this present moment, I got to keep doing this. And this is hard. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. And I call people all the time and say, hey, you want to be the executive director of Family Promise of Collin County today? Because I need a break. Right. <laughs> like, we call in a sub. That's all we Yes. <laughs> I call in a sub, please. Yeah, because b- between like, not, it's already a lot of pressure to have the finances of the organization. While we have development staff and we have, you know, those kind of things, a lot of organizations still Ultimately, the responsibility falls on you to raise the money. And then you have the programs. You have, you're trying to ensure that you're serving families adequately, that you're serving your clients adequately. So it's just, it's a whole lot of pressure. And honestly, it's getting to people. And that's why we're seeing so many people leaving. In fact, the article also um, cited that since 2021, many of the nonprofit executive search firms are having to turn people away due to an uh, increased workload. In fact, one of the premier search firms here in Dallas isn't taking on clients right now because between development personnel and executives, they they don't have the capacity to do all these searches. Right. Yeah. It's t- I mean, it's it's hard out here in these streets as an executive director. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. For sure. So but there is good news associated with this. Um, executive salaries have gone up by almost 30 percent in the last two years because mm-hmm. just finding people, people are finally starting to realize that as nonprofit CEOs and EDs, we're not volunteering. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Like, this idea that we should just have these meager little salaries and with all the stress and the pressure that we have, it, that is people are finally realizing that in order to keep a good leader, you're going to need to compensate them accordingly. So mm-hmm. that's the that's the upside of all of these um, resignations, but still it's difficult. So with that being said, I thought that we would share a little bit about our first years Um, in the roles. And so, as you know, this podcast is in three sections, the talk, which we just did, like talk about the issue itself, but also like our testimony or our personal experience. Now let's share our testimonies and listen, I'll begin with mine because I don't ever like to ask guests to do something without maybe doing it first. So my first year, 12 years ago, Oh my gosh. So I was, I don't know what I was thinking in that I had five interviews, LaVita, for this position. I was at Girl Scouts. I was a director. I was doing well. It was five, 10 minutes away from my home, but I just felt like God was calling me to something higher and it was just kind of confirmed. So I went through these five interviews for this position. None of the interviews were ever at the location. Hmm. So... (laughs) And um, so I never even thought to drive by, which is not me. I'm usually really, really, you know, a researcher. I want to know what I'm getting into. So anyway, I show up on my first day and I'm like, huh, this isn't quite how I pictured it. So um, on the website, it was like, there's an organic garden for the kids. And when I looked, there was probably weeds up to my knees. (laughs) 
And from that, from that moment through the moment that I walked through the door, it was kind of downhill from there. Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I was like, oh wow, okay, it's not quite how I pictured it. And then I um they showed me to my office and I found out two years later, this is such a sad story. And guys, most experiences aren't gonna be this bad. I'm just gonna say that. But I found out two years later that they had stripped the the CEO's office of all the good furniture. So it was left with just piecemeal furniture. My chair was broken. (laughs) So that's just the aesthetics. Okay. So that's just the aesthetics of me coming in. So then, so then after that, I'm like, fine, you know, I can get new furniture. It's not a problem. Um, but we had a big site visit, like for United Way funding. The first time the organization had applied about two weeks after I started. So I really kind of dove into the the mechanics of the organizations. And and then I thought, okay, they always ask financial questions. Let me just dive into finances. Mm -hmm. So um, I had asked about the financial status of the organization. The board was like, we're good. We have a lot of reserves. Well, I was looking at the finances and I noticed that for that year, we had a projected $500,000 deficit. (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) <laughs> so, and we were, and I, I was hired in the middle of fiscal year, so okay. it was a strong five hundred thousand in six months to deal with it. And so, surprise on that. And then, about six weeks or so, six seven weeks after I started, our development director quit, mm. and I had no real other than a couple of grants here and there. I had no real fundraising experience. Mm-hmm. So here I am, the new leader of an, a 25-year-old organization. I'm 38 years old. It doesn't look like I expected. You know, I'm coming from Girl Scouts, a $10 million organization, always enough resources, always enough technology. So it didn't look like what I was accustomed to and had been accustomed to in the space. Certainly didn't feel that way. And then we were in financial trouble. And then when I started looking at our outcomes, we had a 40% graduation rate. And that's when I realized that particularly for leaders of color, and again, this is not everybody's experience, but it is the experience of a lot of people that I deal with, um, female leaders of color and even males. Like a lot of times when we finally get these opportunities, there's a lot going on at the organization. Mm -hmm. And we're not just brought in to lead, we're brought in to fix. Right. (laughs) And those are two different things. Yes. (laughs) You know, um, so... (laughs) That, that was my experience. And it took years like to actually get it fixed. I was just hired at a time when things were really, really challenging. So okay. that having to fix it created change resistance. And that was even more challenging. So that was my, that was my first year. Um, and what was yours like? Um, for me, my first year was very interesting as well. Not a lot, as many surprises as you had, um, because you. Family, have <laughs> right, right, right. Um, because Family Promise has been established since 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, they've gone through, or we had gone through a couple of different um, CEOs at that time. Me coming in January 2nd, 2020, as a new executive director, um, my board president was also new as well. So we mm-hmm. took these steps together. Um, did I know what I was doing? No. 
Did anybody know that I didn't know what I was doing? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just made sure I just kind of educated myself more on the organization itself. Now, the thing for me is I actually used to volunteer for Family Promise of Collin County before I even became the executive director. So I wasn't walking into something that I was not familiar with. Mm -hmm. I was familiar Mm -hmm. with our sheltering program that we had because I was actually volunteering with a really good friend of mine who was a coordinator at a church, but that's a whole different story. So my first year was crazy. I started January 2nd, 2020. And then the next month, the world shut down. Like, wow, the world shut down due to COVID-19. That was another obstacle. Changed everything. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things where usually when you step into a new role and yours was like environmentally, the whole world was going through this shift. But it still speaks to the fact that when you step into a new role, with new leaders, people expect for things to be new. Very rarely do people say, okay, yeah, just, you know, keep doing what you're doing. At least, like I said, not in our experience. So here it is, you find yourself in an organization whose model depends on, number one, people needing support. And Collin County is kind of unique in that the vast majority of your constituents, you know, Mm -hmm. have a work history, they are working. So that unemployment you know, they were eligible for it because they had that work history. And then at the same time, you know, you also depended so heavily on churches. The doors were shut, like you said. So now here it is, you're faced with not just a new role, not just new responsibilities, not just um, kind of new aspects of management that you hadn't necessarily had as much experience in. But now you're having to rethink like the model. And yes. you're saying, number one, should I rethink it? you know, temporarily? Should I rethink it long-term? Like that's, that's a big challenge in and of itself to have all those things coming at you at once. How did you handle that? Well, so let me go back to a statement that you just made just a second ago. Normally when a new CEO comes in, they're expecting something new and they want something fresh and a new change. Not for me. The individuals that I worked with, as far as the partnership with the churches, they wanted things to remain the same. Wow. And so with that now, and I have to thank you again, because the simple fact going through the process in the cohort kind of, I love the model, but then there was something within me, like something needs to change a little bit. And so just having the conversation with you about like, that was 2011, this is 2021, like things need to change. And that just you saying that small little piece made me think, okay, Kim's right. Because with the families coming through the program and they're already coming from a traumatic event, which is homelessness. Mm -hmm. Now what we're doing is, and I'm not saying anything was wrong with the model, but like you said, it was an old school way of doing things. Mm -hmm. So the thought process for me and the way I presented things to the board is like, so now what we have is a model where we're taking individuals from a a traumatic situation. Our partnership with the church is wonderful. Don't want to lose that. But if you stop and think about now we're making families move every week from church to church, that's still trauma. Right. And some individuals can look at that as trauma, but a lot of individuals don't recognize trauma. Mm -hmm. And when I was able to present that, now it's time for things to, you know, here I come troublemaker, shaking things up. Right. You know, and so I, but wait a minute, this, this, this is real. Like 
these families are going through a traumatic event and now we're having them pack up and move from one place to another and another every week, you know, and again, I have to thank the churches for that because that has been our model for so many years. Um, They wanted us to remain the same. They really did. And so to have to present something new and fresh coming from a a new, you know, CEO coming in and having this position and shaking things up, a lot of people weren't happy with that. And they really weren't. And that's what what typically happens. You know, one of the things that I think you from your your background working in human services, like your entire career, you know, me from having the same background, helping people, you know, go from welfare to work. Me personally coming from a working class family, my viewpoint of what our families needed was different than a lot of our benefactors when I started. Right. Because I understood better understood the plight of those families. So just for reference, everyone. So Lavita's model was that when people came in for services that were homeless, they would have host churches that would host those families for one week. And then they would have to move to another host church for the next week and so on and so on until they obtain housing. And again, if you have no dedicated shelter in a community, you don't have like super high rates of homelessness. This is one way to address it. So those families don't fall through the cracks. But the question that LaVita came in and asked was, is there a better way? And I think that's the question that most new leaders come from. There's a framework because we're not we're not bought into like the old way of doing things. It's, it wasn't previously our organization. If we didn't come right. up with the strengths of that organization, we're coming in with a totally new framework. And we're not just saying, what does this organization do? But does it do it well? Mm-hmm. Is it most effective? Is it efficient? Can we mm-hmm. do it better? Right. And all of that sounds great on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> When you're standing in front of a board, partners, staff that has worked a certain way for years, Mm -hmm. you don't always get that warm reception from trying to change things up, even if you're doing it on behalf of the clients, which which we were. So what gave you the, I guess, the courage to like challenge the system. And let me just give some more background. Family Promise of Collin County is a part of a larger network of family promises that are like all over what the country, right? Yeah, national. yeah we're national. Yes. Mm-hmm. So by changing this model, like it's not just like you're you're saying for my community in this role, I want to do something different. So yes. what what gave you the courage to do that? Um, I going through the cohort. Mm going through the cohort and just kind of working with other CEOs and listening to the changes and everything that they made, um, that was encouraging. And just listening to your encouraging words, like, this is, this is you. Like, I, I literally remember you saying this, you, you are the CEO of this organization. You're not like everybody else. You're not supposed to be on the same level as everybody else. So your decisions that you make, they're going to affect this organization. And there's things that you need to do for the families. And it is all about the families. It's not about the churches. It's not about us as staff. It's about the families. So I think the more that I thought about the families and then with my mental health background and understanding trauma Mm -hmm. and knowing how individuals aren't aware of their own trauma is something that 
really, really, that was, it was a combination of things that made me have that courage to do it. And so then it was weird because during that time, the transition, I had board, a board chair switch. Mm. Um, and I stayed open and honest with both of the board chairs that I had experienced at this time. And I just had to let them and, and educate them on how I operate mm-hmm. and how I feel about the families and my passion for this work. And so with that, it, it was a no brainer. You know, they were like, I, I pretty much, I got your back. If this is what you want to do, let's just kind of talk about it and see how we move forward. So it was a tough decision. Um, I kind of have a thick skin. So and you wonder- have to. <laughs> you yes. Have to. Yes. yes. And so for me to be worried about what anyone else is thinking, as long as I am saying a prayer and putting everything in God's hands first and moving forward with it, then I am fine as long, like I said, as long as it's going to be, as long as it benefits the families. And that was my whole thing. I just had to make sure that these families in Collin County are taken care of. Yes. And that, so here's the deal. Here's the deal for these aspiring leaders out here. Mm -hmm. You're telling yourself like, so if I put my my um, self in the role of a, someone who wants to lead an organization or feels called to lead an organization, you you feel called if it's for the right reason because you want to make a difference. When mm-hmm. God opens a door for you, mm-hmm. he is he it's like he is doing a matchmaking service. Yes. He knows who you are. He knows your background. He knows your passion. He knows your competencies. He knows what you specifically and uniquely will bring to the table. Then he matches you with an organization that needs it. You know what that means? That means they're not going to have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, so often we get through the door and we're like, I want an organization that matches me. No, a real match, just like a real marriage is yin and yang. Yes. You know, it's opposites attracting. It's it's we need what you you know, what you bring to the table and you're going to learn from us in a way that's going to enable you to develop professionally um, and all of those things. You definitely get a lot from from that leadership opportunity. But it takes courage to look in the mirror and say to yourself, I know God sent me here for a reason. Mm-hmm. I may not have this, that, or the other in terms of um, specific skills, but God knew what I had would work if I work it. Yes. And and just like what happened when you w- could, with confidence, with conviction, with a compelling argument, go before your board and say, I know we've been doing this for years. Mm, yes. <laughs> for years. The inception, like yes. from the very beginning, that's <laughs> what our beginning. model was based off of. I mean, yes. national. Yes. So, but I mean, think about how, how courageous that is. But I, right. <laughs> I have been thinking about this and I think we might need to turn this on its head. You know? <laughs> like, really? The goal. But <laughs> right, that, but that is why God puts us in these positions because I ended up doing the same thing at Interfaith. You know, I totally changed a, a, the model that we were using mm-hmm. to help families. When I arrived there, we were transitioning families from our transitional housing units into Section Eight. Today, we don't do that at all because we focus on elevating income, having people leave with thousands of dollars worth of savings. Not mm-hmm. because I don't believe se- Section 8 is necessary, but for the clients that we 
serve because they have a different type of uh, work background and skill set because we do career training. We try to bypass Section 8 so that they don't have asset limitations for their future economic growth. So right. that was different for our organization. Um, then incorporating career training so our families just don't have to take any job, but can take a job that's going to provide, number one, a livable wage and then a career path moving forward. That was difficult. I remember mm-hmm. being told by our team, these types of clients can't do that. But listen, I grew up in a working class community. I grew up with a grandfather who did not have a high school diploma, but when he died, owned four houses. So mm-hmm. I, so I knew what work ethic looked like. Yes, can't be um, defined by your circumstances if you have the passion to move forward, and that's why I feel like we're placed in these roles to do this work. So we want to kind of end with that whole encouragement from both of us to say. It is challenging. It's going to be more than what you expected, either like in my case where it was like, y'all didn't tell me about all this. Right. <laughs> or in your case, you're like, well, why did all the rules change? Yes. <laughs> why did the whole world decide that this is right? It's going to but be. It's, <laughs> Go it, ahead. And it's interesting that you say that because it like it for so many reasons why I'm in this position. I mean, you know, it it was a God thing yeah. because the previous CEO was walking out the door and she literally called me and she was like, okay, um, I'm resigning at tonight's board meeting. Send me your resume because you need to be in this position. She said, I know you, we have a history. We used to work together at another nonprofit um, and she's a really dear friend of mine, but she literally said, these people walking through the door, she said, these families, she said, they need to see you because I know who you are. She said, and they need to hear your story because I know your story. Mm-hmm. She said, and the way that you work with families, she said, family promise needs you here to work with these families. And so it was it was a smooth transition. I had two interviews and started January 2nd. And so even with the pandemic, Kim, I'll say that with that happening, yeah. During that time, I think that was a God thing because that allowed me to know that God prepared me to handle anything that was coming my way as far as his job is concerned and anything else in life. I mean, you know what I'm saying? A whole (laughs) pandemic, like I started a job and the world shut down. Right, right. You know, so if you can't handle that, which I handled it, gracefully, look, I might not have known what I was doing all the time. Listen, nobody knew it. (laughs) Right, right, right. But it it just it, it's just one thing that I know that, like you said, God will open up doors for you. And so I have to make sure that I have the courage to walk through those doors yes. because that's a blessing for me yes. and not anybody else to be in this yes. position at the present moment. Yes, I love that. And let me make a little footnote. So mm-hmm. she was hand selected, guys. I hope you heard that for that position. So for all you aspiring leaders, folks are watching you. Mm-hmm. They're watching how you work with other people. They're watching mm-hmm. how you carry yourself. They're watching to see if you are passionate about what you do, if you're willing to go above and beyond in the role that you're currently in. And, and you don't even know the doors that are being opened just by your example. Right. So that because that's what that's what happened with you. So I want to encourage people. So next, so we can get out of here. This has been an amazing conversation. We don't like to end the podcast without some practical tips for new leaders or newly inspiring leaders.
let's talk tips. So, Levita, what are some tips, your top maybe three tips that you have for new leaders um, stepping into CEO or executive director roles? The first thing that I am going to say is to be your authentic self Mm. and walk in your truth. Um, Know that you are in this space for a reason and know that this is your season as the CEO at this time. Um, the second, that's number one, first and foremost. And the and and just to kind of elaborate on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I am who I am. Um, I don't change anything for anyone, but I am, and I make sure that I am that professional. So I always make sure that I am authentic in any and everything that I do. That's why I said, always walk in your truth because that's going to lead, guide, and direct you through this whole new CEO process. Yeah. Um, the second thing I'd have to say is don't get discouraged and it is okay to ask for help because like I said, when it comes to these budgets, I've been in board meetings before and I know how to look at a budget. I know how to talk about a budget, but do I know how to create a budget for an organization? Right. Uh-uh. Different things. Now, it, yes. And I'm, and I'm still in a learning process. I mean, I actually have, and I think Kim, you suggested the nonprofit um, budget for seat for uh, uh dummies. I got yes. that book. Yeah. I actually have that and that has been a great help so thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um and the third thing I'd have to say is find yourself a mentor. Yeah. Because that is important and I am not going to say I learned that the hard way but I walked into this doing something completely different. Mm-hmm. Um so I would encourage everyone to find a mentor and just have someone that you can kind of call and say okay got a couple of questions, you know, I need a little bit help with this. Even if you got to cry on the phone for a little yeah. bit because of some things that you're going through, but have someone there that can encourage you um, and give you the tips that you need to kind of get you through this whole process, because it is not for the faint of heart. Trust me. <laughs> I love that. And that, that is so true. I mean, you really, you really said it all. Be yourself. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Be your authentic self. Let me say that right. Don't be afraid mm-hmm. to ask for help and then find yourself a mentor. I just have a couple of things to add to that. Um, mine would be maintain a calm and confident de- um, demeanor. You need to be mm-hmm. friendly, but don't try to make friends within the office. Yes. So you want to be calm, confident, and friendly, but you also have to master the art of being unreadable. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to depend on your opinions. You want to depend on data. And early on, people will try to get you to kind of promise that you're going to do this or promise that you're going to do that before you have the knowledge to really understand or the insight to really understand how the organization works. So like, be calm, be confident, but like, it's not, you know, you can be friendly and they can think you're their friend, but, but you know that when it comes to your, the intents of your heart, that you're going to guard it. The other thing that I would say would be reserve your judgment for work and not words. Mm. When you walk into an um a this role, everybody's going to talk to you about everything, give you all the insight, give you all the, hey, I think we should do this. Hey, I'm really passionate about this job. Hey, this means a lot to me. Hey, the from the partners to the staff, you're going to hear a lot of words. But you need to wait and see how they actually work. Mm-hmm. You need to see, do these board members show up and do they give? Because if not, why am I giving three hours of my week to someone whose annual donation is $10 and who comes right. to board meetings? Like, not <laughs> so like, <laughs> so like, look at your <laughs> judge. 
by or why am I ta- listening to the staff and they can't come to work on time? None of their documents are turned in on time. Like let folks smile and listen, but reserve your overall judgment by work. Because I always tell new leaders, you don't know who you're working with until you tell them no. Mm. The no reveals the character. There's nothing not to like about a yes. Yes, you can take right. it. You can do this. Why not? Why wouldn't I like you? But no is going to tell you who yes. you're working with. So, <laughs> so reserve your judgment to actually have an opportunity to observe. So I think between your three and my two, listen, they should be ready to go. They should be. <laughs> that's some good advice. It is. Hey, that's premium right there. Yes, ma'am. So, um, so that's that's what we wanted to share today. If you do need some help in your leadership journey, please check out um, my uh, work at Kim Williams Consulting. Um, you can find it at kimwconsulting.com. And I'd love to talk to you or help you possibly. But really, that's it for today. LaVita, I have enjoyed talking to you as always. As Thank always. you, Kim. <laughs> My cheeks are hurting from smiling so much. <laughs> And um, so thank you so much for being my first podcast guest. And, and then I have an experienced podcast professional. Tell us about your podcast, LaVita. Okay. So I started a, a, the podcast, Family Promise of Collin County, about a year and a half ago. Um, it is absolutely positively wonderful. I have reached out to um, several different individuals in the nonprofit sector here in Collin County. Um, Kim, I will be asking you to be a part of my podcast starting at the beginning <laughs> of the year as well. Um, but it, my main objective for Family Promise for a very long time is try to get the word out about what we do here in Collin County. Mm-hmm. Um, because believe it or not, they only think one other um, homeless shelter exists here. So mm-hmm. I started this podcast a couple of years ago to try to kind of get the word out, connect people um, with what we do, and then just kind of open the doors for other nonprofits in the area to, you know, for partnerships with Family Promise of Collin County. Um, and to help as, as to get our word out, like I said, as much as I possibly can through other organizations and CEOs in the nonprofit sector. Awesome, awesome! You are doing great things. So check out Lavita Hamilton, Family Pr- Promise of Collin County, and her podcast. Thank you, Lavita. As Thank always, you, it was amazing. Please like, share, subscribe. Thanks. Thank you all for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for having me, Kim. Bye.